Welcome to Magnificat Proclaims, presented to you by Magnificat, a ministry to Catholic women. Whether this is your first time you've listened to our program, or you have been with us many times before, we are delighted that you have joined us. I'm Donna Ross, your host for today's program. We pray that today may be a special day in your life as you experience through the personal testimony of our featured guest, the presence of Jesus Christ among us. He is alive and well. Magnificat, taken from Luke chapter 1, is the great hymn of praise that Mary prayed while visiting her cousin Elizabeth. Both women had been deeply touched by God. Elizabeth was bearing a long-awaited child. Mary was carrying within her womb the very Son of God. They came together to help one another, to speak of God's action in their lives, to sing, to pray, to share a common faith, and to be strengthened for all that was to come. Like Mary and Elizabeth, we want to come together in God's presence and proclaim the Almighty has done great things for me and you, and holy is his name. This Magnificat Proclaim series features Catholic Christian women who have shared their testimony at one of the many Magnificat chapters hosting quarterly meals around the world. Typically, this three-hour gathering provides opportunity for a shared meal, fellowship, communal praise and worship, personal testimony of one woman's expression of God's action in her life, and intercessory prayer for the needs of the church and of those present. We trust that these testimonies will help each of us come to better understand that we are truly children of God, made in His image and likeness. We are daughters of the King. It's such a privilege to be able to introduce to you today Olga Myers. Olga has gone to the Ministry of Evangelization in 1991 while seeking him in prayer and quiet at a silent retreat. Her desire to help those in need allowed God to use her in doing extraordinary things in spite of her feelings of inadequacy, fear of failure, and the unknown. Prayer, God's Word, and sacraments, and the power of the Holy Spirit gave her the courage to say yes to all he has called her to do and to be. Praying, working, and serving the people of God through various ministries in the Catholic Church helped her and others grow in faith and love for God. She confirms Pope John Paul II's words that faith is strengthened when it is shared. Through her many challenging experiences, God continues to teach her that nothing is impossible with God. He continues to say, do not be afraid. God gave her the grace and the courage to say yes when called to serve first as a volunteer catechist in her daughter's first grade class in 1975 to bringing the Ministry of Magnificat to Atlanta in 1991, and to presently serve as the Southeast Regional Representative, Advisory Board, and Associate Member of the Central Service Team of Magnificat, a ministry to Catholic women. Olga was born and raised in a small Hispanic community in Tampa, Florida. She graduated from the University of Tampa with a Bachelor of Science degree in elementary education in 1961. She has taught in elementary schools in Florida and Georgia. She is married and the mother of three grown children and a grandmother of seven. God's love and mercy became visible to her through the power of prayer and through the love present in the hearts of God's people during her son's illness in 1983 and when fire destroyed their house and all their possessions five years ago. God has provided her and her husband Roy with their present home in Dunwoody, Georgia, a suburb of Atlanta, 
which she calls an icon of God's love, her Bethany. She is a member of All Saints Parish. Again, it's my privilege to introduce to you today, Olga Myers. The Spirit of the Living God is present here. You know that song that we sang, um, something about being in His presence? Didn't that move you? Do you feel like you've been in a mountaintop experience? Well, that's what I think Magnificat is. You come here, you go to the top of the mountain in prayer, and you have to go back down to the valley. You might be changed a little. The situation might be the same when you get back, but you're not the same. So that's what Magnificat is all about. And when I hear this prayer, it reminds me of when I didn't recognize the Holy Spirit. I didn't know what all of this was about. And in fact, it scared me a little bit. This is a little bit too strong for me. But I'm going to tell you how God gradually moved me from an ordinary mom at home, invited me to teach school of religion and so forth. In that song that we sang, it said, I see glory in each face. And if you were to stand here where I am, you would see the glory that the three disciples saw at the top of that mountain. You're being transfigured. I'm being transfigured. That's what's happening here through the power of prayer. And that's what I discovered in my life. That was so important to me. Prayer. So this whole, whole testimony has to do with the power of prayer. And I'll show you how that all developed in my life. What a homecoming this is. One of the first people that I recognized was Mother Mary, that statue over there. It used to be at every one of our meals. So Mary's been around. And whether that statue is here or not, our Blessed Mother is present here. And she was the one that brought us Jesus. The Father's love in the form of a baby. And they named him Jesus. So that's what Mary is doing here. You know, the joy the real joy for me is to see members of my family here before me. So I thank you for being with us on this 15th anniversary celebration. It really is hard to believe that it's been 15 years. 500 women experienced the power of the Holy Spirit we've been talking about present as we gathered for prayer and fellowship. But there was a lot of prayer and work before that first meal. We had a uh, presentation tea on February 1992, and it was held at Our Lady of the Assumption Parish. And God called women from all over the Archdiocese to come to find out what this ministry had to offer the women of Atlanta. I want to thank all the women who are here today at this meal and the thousands who have responded to God's invitation to just come and see, and they were touched by the Holy Spirit. We here in Atlanta are so blessed to have such spirit-filled and prayerful women united in love in this service team and those serving in the various ministries. This is not a one-person ministry. I am most grateful to all the spiritual advisors who have served in this ministry. Our spiritual advisors represent the church, so, so you can see that we're all united in this. This is a ministry within a bigger church. And the love that was experienced here through prayer has touched the hearts of family members and those whom God sent. During the time that God was forming this chapter, 
I was attending a mass at Christ Our Hope Parish in Lilburn. And at the end of the mass, I heard the Lord speak to me through the words of the song. And maybe you had that experience as you were listening to the songs. Those words touched the hearts. It was the city of God. I don't know how many of you are familiar with that song. But I had a sense that the city of God was Atlanta. And God led me to a book on the history of Atlanta. I want to know more about Atlanta. I had been living here a while. But I got this book and I opened it up. And there the first thing I saw was a picture of a bronze statue of a woman being lifted up by a large bird. And this bird represented the legendary phoenix. According to the legend, after being consumed by fire, the phoenix comes to alive and rises from its ashes. The phoenix rising from the ashes statue symbolizes the city of Atlanta's rebirth after being burned by Sherman's troops during the Civil War. This statue is in downtown Atlanta, if you've never seen it. As I saw that, in a spiritual sense, I saw the bird as the symbol of the Holy Spirit lifting up the women of Atlanta from the ashes of sin and darkness and the struggles of this life to a new life in the Holy Spirit. So now that confirmed that Atlanta was the city of God and he was calling us in Atlanta to be his light to his people, to set their hearts free. And this comes from uh, the Bible, Isaiah 60, verse 9, or 1 John, verse 1. God has indeed set the hearts of many women free. There are some here in this room today that can testify to that. Praise him like Mary in all situations. And I have realized that the joy of the Lord is where I find my strength. Through his grace, he has given me the courage to say yes when he's called me to serve, and I have allowed him to guide me knowing that on my own, I couldn't do it. But with him, nothing is impossible. Now I would like for you to walk with me into my past to see how the Lord was with me through the years before I recognized his presence and how he led me to where I am today in my spiritual life. Recently, as I was meditating on the scriptures, I read where Paul said, I am who I am through God's grace. That's it. I am who I am through God's grace. Could not do it on my own. And how also he used the Catholic Church and the situations and people in my life to draw me closer to him. Now travel with me now to a small Hispanic community called Ybor City in Tampa, Florida, where God brought me into this world through my parents, whom he chose. My parents worked in the cigar factory to provide for my two sisters that are here and me. Because both of our parents worked, our grandmother practically raised us. During our early years, we lived in a government housing project. My mother had been baptized Catholic and my father Baptist. They weren't active in their faith, but I thank God for the greatest gift they gave me. When I was an infant, they took me to the Catholic Church, to the sacrament of baptism. And it was then that God gave me the Holy Spirit and the gift of faith, and I became a child of God. Of course, I was not aware of all of this at the time. 
I believe that if my parents were here today, and I do believe they're here spirit, spiritually, they would be rejoicing on how God has blessed me through the years and empowered me by the gift of the baptism that they made possible. My parents gave what they received, but since their parents weren't active in their faith, they were not aware of the teachings of the church and all that God teaches us through his word. Prayer, devotions, the rosary were not part of our family life. We didn't know about all the help God gives us through the Catholic Church, such as the Eucharist, the sacraments, scripture, the catechism, angels, saints, and our Blessed Mother. But one thing that we did do is we went to church on Easter and Christmas. <laughs> you know, you, you hear about those people that just come on Easter. <laughs> I was one of them. <laughs> but you know, it doesn't matter. One encounter... And you'd be surprised at what can happen. So apparently, all those were seeds that God was planting in me, but at the time, I didn't recognize it. And through the St. Ignatius spiritual exercises that I've gone through these past two summers, God revealed to me that it was in elementary school where I developed the feelings of inadequacy, fear of failure, and the unknown. I was bilingual, and I didn't feel that I knew English well enough, and I was not smart enough to compete with the others. In addition to this, I developed sores on my scalp. My head was shaved and this purple medication placed on my scalp and I wore a scarf to cover the sores. Others would make fun of me. So what happened? It was then that I developed a poor self-image. No one had told me that I was made in the image of God. I worked hard to make good grades and I made the honor roll throughout my elementary school years. I admired my teachers, and I hoped that someday I would become a teacher like them. So while I was in junior high school, I wanted to know more about being a Catholic, and I attended a catechism class to prepare me for the sacrament of penance and First Communion. Then after receiving Jesus for the first time in Holy Communion, I became a Sunday Catholic. Each new experience in my life was filled with fear of failure, but each time I was able to see that God enabled me through the power of the Holy Spirit I received at baptism to, a, to achieve in spite of my fears. So I graduated from high school and the University of Tampa with a Bachelor of Science degree in elementary education as Jan shared with you. My dream of being a teacher came true with God's grace and I taught second grade for five years in Tampa. I met my husband Roy during my third year of teaching, best thing ever happened to him. <laughs> Ooh, and this is recorded. <laughs> and we were married at Our Lady of Perpetual Help Church in Ybor City. You know, I didn't realize at the time, but Our Lady has been my perpetual help throughout my spiritual journey. Roy was not Catholic when we got married. We lived in Clearwater, Florida, our first year of marriage, and then moved to Atlanta. God blessed us with three children. I wanted my children to have what I didn't have throughout my own life, so I enrolled them in the school of religion. Uh, when my second child was six years old, the nun who was head of the school of religion asked me if I would volunteer to teach my daughter's child, my daughter's class, because her teacher had to resign. Why would God call me to teach religion when I had so much to learn. 
God is clever, isn't he? <laughs> I had to pray about this. Remember, I was filled with fear. Prayer for me at the time was only when I needed something. I definitely needed help with this. So I mentioned it to my husband, and he thought it was a great idea. He has always been very supportive of all that I do, so it was, I'm, the, I'm the fortunate one. He has always attended Mass with us, even though he was not Catholic. I wanted to help sister, and I wanted my daughter to have a teacher. So my desire to help those in need allowed God to begin to use me, an ordinary housewife, mother, to do extraordinary things in spite of my feelings of inadequacy, fear of failure, and the unknown. God had been preparing me through the years. First, my parents taking me to the church for baptism, then leading me to catechism classes, and then confirmation, and then celebrating the sacrament of matrimony. Becoming a teacher was also a gift from God. So I told sister I would help, and this was the beginning of many yeses. I taught in the school of religion for five years, and one of the most powerful things God taught me was the importance of prayer in my life. Prayer was more than asking for what I wanted. In a child's level, he was teaching me that prayer was listening and talking to God with love. And I began my relationship with the Holy Spirit. The teacher's manual that we were given helped me grow in my spiritual life as I put into practice the lessons I would teach the children. This time in my life was my Nazareth years when God helped me grow in wisdom and knowledge of who he is. And then I would practice my lessons with my own children. I would put them into practice, the Advent wreath we had in our family, Lenten practices, all of these things. And I would not have known them had I not gone into the teaching of religion. So the adult education classes I had to attend helped me grow in my knowledge of God, and I was beginning to have a personal relationship with God. Then after five years of teaching, sister asked me if I would coordinate the first three grades and help her train teachers through workshops. Again, I didn't feel qualified, I was shaking in my boots, <laughs> but I said yes. And then after serving for five years as coordinator, of the first three grades, then sister was transferred, and our pastor, Father Kenny, asked me if I would run the school. <laughs> Talk about fear. <laughs> How could I do this? I had three small children. How could I replace a nun? <laughs> I had a lot of conversations with God at the time. I said yes, and I became coordinator, and I was able, through God's grace, to recruit a task force of 15 volunteers to help run the school of 1,000 children in pre-K through seventh grade and 100 catechism sessions on Sunday through Thursday. Now, is that not a project for God? <laughs> During the first year as coordinator, a friend invited me to a Life in the Spirit seminar. I didn't know much about it, but it was interesting how she asked me. Looking back now, I believe it was God giving her the words that would lure me to go where she said, that the prayer group needed someone like me in their group. There was a need, wasn't there? So how would I respond? Naturally, I would say, sure, I'm, I'll be happy to help out. <laughs> this was the greatest experience of the presence of the Holy Spirit I had ever encountered. 
scripture came alive for me and I began to see God in my life everywhere I went and everything that I did. Jesus was alive and walking among his people and the gifts of the Holy Spirit that I received in baptism and confirmation were being stirred. You know, Father Cohen, who was one of Central Servicing's former spiritual advisors, used the analogy of the Holy Spirit as being like chocolate syrup poured into a glass of milk, and it goes all the way down to the bottom of the glass until it is stirred. But when it's stirred, it permeates the milk and transforms it into something new. The Holy Spirit was being stirred in me as I learned more about the life of Jesus, and I was beginning to experience a new life in the Spirit. I learned through Scripture that it is the Holy Spirit who prays through us. If you say you don't know how to pray, that's great. Then the Holy Spirit will take over if you go to Him and ask Him to help you. In Romans 8, 26, it says, The Spirit too comes to the aid of our weakness, for we do not know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit itself interceded with inexpressible groanings. Like, for instance, when I was preparing for this talk, I asked the Holy Spirit to lead me in prayer to help me know what God wanted to say to me and to all of you here present. You and I are here because the Holy Spirit has brought us here. Isn't that awesome? Throughout the Bible, we read about the power of the Holy Spirit. This Holy Spirit is the same Spirit that overshadowed Mary, and she conceived God's love in the form of a baby in her womb. And then God's love was born, as I said earlier, and we call him Jesus. This is the same Spirit that came upon the apostles in the upper room before Jesus ascended when they prayed with Mary for the coming of the Holy Spirit. Then in Acts 1, 5 through 8, Jesus said, Before many days you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit, and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses and at that point Pentecost the church was born this Holy Spirit continues to empower God's people today the power of the Holy Spirit in prayer at the Magnificat meals throughout the world 67 chapters is bringing about change in marriages families and in the world that's awesome and you're part of it Little did the founders of Magnificat know it would become a worldwide ministry. Requests for information on how to begin a Magnificat ministry uh, continues to arrive from many areas in the United States. The power of the Holy Spirit in prayer brings about change within us. Changes took place in me once I discovered the Holy Spirit in my life, and it was God's way of preparing me for the trial that followed. During the second year as coordinator of the school, our oldest son became sick with viral encephalitis. He was 16 years old at the time. Through my involvement in the school, of God had provided me a loving, faithful community, a close relationship with our pastor and parish priest. Through the prayers of our parish community, their love, we were given the strength to endure seeing our son suffer. All that God had taught me had drawn me closer to him, and I knew that God was with me. I trusted and believed, and his word was ministering to me. The doctors informed us that there wasn't anything that they could do. They wanted to use an experimental drug, but we were told that there, were side, there would be side effects. 
that there could be a personality change and he could have difficulties with his studies. We had to take a chance using this drug. God spoke to me through scripture when I was in prayer in the hospital chapter one day, and I had a sense that my son was healed while I was in that chap chapel. And I ran to the room, and he seemed fine. I, I asked the nurse to check him, and the doctors came and said, he's fine, he can go home the next day. This was his 16th birthday. He had been healed. I know in my heart he was healed. Was it the drug? Was it whatever it was? God touched him. There were no personality changes. He graduated from high school and went through five years at Georgia Tech and graduated with honors and a master's degree in electrical engineer. And my younger son said, whatever they gave him, I want some of it. <laughs> Today he's married and has three beautiful children. And he lives in California with his family and is a successful electrical engineer. So I praise God for that today. I do believe in the power of prayer, and I experienced it many times as well as you have. This was also a beautiful witness of how important community is, especially when a loved one is ill or we go through crises. At the end of my 10th year as coordinator of the School of Religion, I went to a weekend retreat at St. Ignatius Retreat House here in Atlanta. I had a profound experience on the last day of the retreat while I was sitting outside on a bench in prayer, I began to write. And the thoughts that were coming to me was as if God was speaking to me. And I felt that God was telling me that he was calling me to a new ministry of evangelization. The last sentence I wrote was, you too will say like my mother, God who is mighty has done great things for me. I didn't know anything about Our Lady's Magnificat song. In fact, I didn't know what Magnificat was. I didn't understand what all of that meant. After the retreat, I felt that I had to resign as coordinator of the school. I just felt it was time for a rest. Two of my dear friends, we began to meet every Wednesday morning for intercessory prayer and to pray the rosary. The rosary was becoming part of my prayer life. I visited my sister in Tampa she was going to a Magnificat breakfast, and I had the opportunity to attend. While I was there, I felt as though God was calling me to inquire more about this ministry. The thought kept coming to me that I should bring this Magnificat ministry to Atlanta. So I came back, and we began to pray for the possibility of Magnificat in Atlanta. Could this be what I received in prayer while I was at the retreat about being called to a new ministry of evangelization, those were my questions. After nine months of prayer, just like a pregnancy, and the formation <laughs> process, <laughs> Magnificat Joyful Visitation Chapter of Atlanta was born. When we were in the last stage of the formation of this chapter, my husband and I moved in 1991 from Stone Mountain, Georgia to our house on the lake in Jackson, Georgia, about an hour away. We had a yard sale to help with our Magnificat ministry expenses and God blessed us with $900. God had called my husband to serve as caterer <laughs> since he was retired from the restaurant business. <laughs> he was present at each of our meals and I believe that God had a plan to use Magnificat in bringing my husband to the Catholic Church 
and on April the 11th, 1998, he became a Catholic. Praise God. I wish I could tell you the whole story on that, but... <laughs> then God called me to be the Southeast Regional Rep for Magnificat. Eleven years after moving to our lake house, we experienced the tragedy of losing our house and all our possessions when fire destroyed our house while we were in California visiting our son, daughter-in-law, and three grandchildren. During the Thanksgiving holidays, November 23rd, 2002, a date I will never forget. The next morning after arriving, we woke up around 8 a.m. California time, went down for breakfast, and the phone rang. Our son answered the phone. It was uh, our daughter calling. I'll never forget the look on my son's face when he said, Mom, is Sherry. She said our house burned to the ground. This was a shock and awe experience for all of us. Now, I've lost everything. I just heard I lost everything. And I, forget, I was getting these thoughts. The thought came to me as we were traveling. Mary, our blessed mother, was running in haste, preparing the way back through Sacramento. God was providing me with night vision goggles. And I was seeing God's presence in the darkness of my pain. We had been traveling on a road for a long time. And I asked my husband, I wonder what the name of this road is. Looked it up. It was Notre Dame Drive. <laughs> Notre Dame Drive. This confirmed my thought, which led me to other thoughts, that Mary, our mother, Notre Dame Drive, leads us to her son, who is the sacrament of the Eucharist, Sacramento. <laughs> so, I mean, it was all just... <laughs> scripture was coming alive. The saints were coming alive. It's just, and yet I was in my darkest need. We arrived at the airport, and we met a young girl working on her laptop. In our conversation, we shared our experience and told her about the Spanish-style chapel my husband had built behind our house. And I happened to have a little card, just like the one I gave you. But on it, it had my address and a picture of the chapel. So I gave her the card. She turns the card over, and she said, Did you notice what you have on the back of the card? And I began to read it. And I knew that God had led me to write it long before this tragedy had happened. And this is what it said. When your world is falling apart, don't be surprised, beloved, that a trial by fire is occurring in your midst. This is 1 Peter 4, 12. God's word is living and active at all times. I didn't remember that I had typed this in, in other scriptures in back of this card. And I would like to share with you what was on the back of the card in addition to that scripture. Because I feel that we all at one time or another feel like our world is falling apart. The scripture number one is from Mark eleven twenty two, Put your trust in God. And in 1 Peter 4, 7, Do not be perturbed. Remain calm so that you will be able to pray. On Mark eleven twenty five. When you stand to pray, forgive anyone against whom you have a grievance. Above all, let your love for one another be constant, 1 Peter 4, 8. Put your gifts at the service of one another, 1 Peter 4, 10. Rejoice instead in the measure that you share Christ's sufferings, 1 Peter 4, 13. 
God was now strengthening and speaking to me through his word to help me deal with the loss of our house and all our possessions. And by the way, months later, I saw the girl that I saw at the airport in Walmart in Conyers, Georgia. (laughs) And she looked at me, she says, aren't you the lady that lost their house? And I said, you're not the one at the airport. (laughs) There is power in God's word. He speaks to us and strengthens us before we're faced with our trials. I encourage you to pray, read, reflect on his word daily. It can change your life. God's love sent my daughter and son-in-law to meet us at the airport so we would not be alone when we arrived at the home site. It was 10.30 p.m. when we arrived at the, where our house used to be. Where our house stood looked as though a bomb had been dropped and there was nothing left. It looked like a war zone. God's love offered us a place to sleep that night at the home of one of the doctors who worked with us on our medical mission in Guatemala, which we formed in the year 2000. The following morning, the doctor said he had found a book at the drugstore, and he was attracted to it. And when he saw the title, he knew that it was supposed to be for me. God's love gave us this book. The title of the book, When Life Falls Apart. When I showed the book to a friend of mine, She opened the book at random to a chapter, and the title of the chapter was Answers from an Ash Heap. (laughs) God was speaking to me through the ashes of my life. Going back to the phoenix, like the phoenix rising from the ashes, the Holy Spirit was lifting me up. Little did I know when I first saw the picture of the statue in Atlanta that that woman would be me. You never know, do you? The following day, as I walked through the ashes, I prayed that God would make it possible to have a mass on on the home site. The next day, I received a call from the coordinator of Magnificat in Birmingham, Carolyn Wright, and she said that she had mentioned to a priest what had happened, and he said that he would like to celebrate mass in our chapel. God answered my prayer. And the priest, Father Emmanuel, who is here today, and I told him through an email, Father, God sent you to me when I was in need, and he sent you here today celebrating and rejoicing in what has taken place since then. I thank you for that. Indeed, many blessings came from the ashes. I remember Gretchen saying, We were standing there in in, in the rubble, and she said, the only word that comes to me is blessings, blessings. And I'm saying, where are the blessings in this? (laughs) Remember, (laughs) Gretchen? (laughs) Blessings, blessings. But see, that was very prophetic. This is what God does through his people, encouraging us as we're, when our world is falling apart. It's his way of lifting us up. This later reminded me of our Lenten journey from ashes to Alleluia, from Good Friday to Easter. God's love reminded me that we can't experience Easter without a Good Friday. That is something to remember as we begin Lent next week on Ash Wednesday. 
<laughs> you know, now a lot of these things have new meaning. <laughs> the past Thanksgiving was four years since we lost our house on the lake. God has been embracing me and just assuring me of his love through all that I have shared. But one example of his love and mercy is when on the way to Mass one day, that was four and a half months after the fire, I reminded my husband that God had been so good in providing us with a house, just one house from where we lived. This house had been for sale for nine months, and we'd drive past it, and I kept saying, isn't that house ever going to go? Yeah, yeah, so is, are they going to sell it? God's love was holding it for us. <laughs> because through the owner of the house, God's love gave us the key to the house and bought groceries, pots and pans, and etc. And the only furniture in the house was a bed. Five months after the fire, it was furnished with items donated by many people. God is love, isn't he? He wants to pour his love into our hearts. God's love delivered mail packages through UPS and mailmen, and I got to know those men pretty well. <laughs> on the way to Mass one day, I told my husband that I would really like to have a washer and dryer. Our neighbor had offered theirs, but I didn't want to go to their house and do my laundry. So after Mass, God's love sent a couple to us, and they asked, could you use a washer and dryer? <laughs> and it was almost as if hearing God speaking. Uh, I felt I was, I was hearing God speak. They had just bought a set, and they said that the old washer and dryer was rusty but worked very well, and I told them I really didn't care what color it was. <laughs> and it was even delivered and installed in our home. And that's, that's God. By the way, the chapel, Santa Maria del Lago, which is... St. Mary of the Lake was not touched by the fire. And we decided not to rebuild. I was wondering what we were going to do with the chapel when we moved. And during the night, about 8 a.m., I thought about my friend Alexa. She has a Catholic community about eight minutes from where our house stood. So I got up, 3 o'clock in the morning. I usually don't go to the computer at that time. <laughs> but I went to the laptop that Carl gave me laptop computer and I started to email my friend to ask if she would want the chapel and when my email comes up she was emailing me saying what are you going to do about your chapel <laughs> was that a coincidence or a God incidence <laughs> when we met she said that she had always prayed that someday this community would have a chapel and I had prayed that maybe someday the blessed sacrament will be brought to my chapel. We wanted to donate the chapel, but I wasn't too sure on how my husband would feel about donating the chapel because he had spent so much money building it. <laughs> One day as I was driving home to the rental home, I prayed that God would put the idea. <laughs> Have you ever done that? put the idea of donating the chapel in my husband's mind if this was God's will. <laughs> Always add that. So when I, when I arrived home, I went up to my husband and I said, you know, what are we going to do about the chapel? And there was a pause. <laughs> and then he started saying, well, you know, I was just thinking, 
Maybe we should donate it to the Catholic community. <laughs> Better watch out, Roy. <laughs> God heard my prayer, and he hears all of our prayers. So go to him. We later had it moved to the Catholic community near our home site. And the Archbishop of Atlanta, John Donahue, gave permission for it to be an adoration chapel. Both of our prayers were answered. I lost the chapel, but I really didn't. Today, it stands as an adoration, perpetual adoration at Alexa's property. So it's still here. Um, she, her, her prayers were answered. She got her chapel. <laughs> I didn't get it. I don't have the chapel, but, you know, it's, it's just. And I just heard somebody said that there was a, a wedding or something taking place there. And the people have been touched, and I have heard so many things. God continues to minister to his people through that chapel, and it's awesome. But one of the most beautiful expressions of God's love was that our children were able to find 1,500 pictures, photographs, which they trimmed, wiped, and put it in a DVD with music of some of our favorite songs. Can you imagine getting 15 photographs out of uh, the rubble that there wasn't even a toilet left? <laughs> It was God's love who gave us the pictures, and he wanted us to have. And the music was provided in order to praise him in spite of our pain. I encourage you to praise him always and remember that the joy of the Lord is your strength. It was the best Christmas present that we received. There were pictures of different stages of our lives and of our children and family. Um, God spoke through the following scripture verse that was given to me and that also I received during prayer time. From Isaiah 43:23, When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze, for I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Are you going through a fire in your life, something that seems to be consuming you? Could God be speaking to you right now? God spoke to me through the word I received in prayer one morning when I went to the monastery, which was not too far from where we lived. Sitting there in the dark, I made a mistake. I didn't know the time of the mass. So I was there early. It was dark. Just quiet. I wasn't talking. I wasn't saying anything. And I heard in my thoughts, do not focus on what you don't have. Focus on me, for with and in me you have everything. Have you experienced a loss in your life? Loss of a job? Loss of a child? Loss of a loved one? Loss of health? Loss of your home? God may be speaking to you. Today, my husband and I live close to two of our children who are here with their spouses. God has blessed us with four grandchildren in four years. <laughs> a set of twins and two boys. <laughs> God's love blessed us with a beautiful house, walking distance to the All Saints Catholic Church where we had our first Magnificat meal. Funny how the world turns. 
I called um, my I call my new home my Bethany, an icon of God's love. One of the many blessings I received was being able to attend daily mass and adoration of the Blessed Sacrament. God has led me to an intercessory prayer group. I'll never forget when Jeanette at McDonald's, and God works everywhere, at McDonald's she sees me and she says, what are you doing here? And I said, I'm going to be moving here. Oh, you have to come to our prayer group. And that was the first thing that God invited me to. Why would he do that? Prayer again. He's telling me, pray, pray, you must pray. And so every Monday, and, and my group, some of my people from the group are here, and I told them, you be praying while I'm out there. <laughs> and they're supporting me in, in, their, in their presence here and through their prayers. I can honestly say that our 2002 Thanksgiving is the best Thanksgiving for I experience God as my Savior, for he has saved my life and the life of my husband by taking us to California. When thinking that way, none of those things matter. We are here today to praise him for what he has done. So I can honestly say that our 2002 Thanksgiving was the best. The fire of God's love present in the hearts of our three children family and friends and even strangers allowed God to send his message of love to us and now he sends me as his messenger to you the light carried in their hearts shone in the darkness of our pain the generosity love prayers of God's people brought us abundant joy and great rejoicing even in our circumstances as we waited in joyful hope for the coming of the Lord into our hearts that Advent season and continue to look forward to the joy of the Lord in his second coming. We, like Mary, can sing her song of joy. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. God always prepares us for our trials in this life. He is constantly teaching in leading us to people, places, and situations and experiences to help us grow. In Jeremiah 29, 11, I know well the plans I have in mind for you, says the Lord. Plans for your welfare, not for woe. Plans to give you a future full of hope. All this time, God was strengthening me with his love for the disaster I was going to experience through the loss of my home. For God loved the world so much that he gave his son so that everyone who believes in him may not die but have eternal life. And this is the core of our faith. I have learned that there is no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear does, fear has to do with punishment. And so one who fears is not yet perfect in love. Meditating on the past and present experiences of my life during the preparation of this talk has also led me to a closer relationship to the God of love who casts out all fear. Through my many challenging experiences, God continues to teach me that nothing is impossible with God. He continues to say to me and to all of us here present, do not be afraid. I am with you. Praying and working and serving the people of God through the ministry of Magnificat in various ministries in the Catholic Church throughout my life 
help me and others grow in faith and love for God. Our dearly beloved John Paul II's words were, Faith is strengthened when it is shared. And I pray that through my sharing, your faith also has been strengthened. And I thank God for this privilege. We all make many commitments in our lives as we strive to live in this world of darkness. I believe God is calling us today to commit our lives to him as we begin this season of Lent, this new year, new life, this new beginning. And by doing so, this Easter will be filled with more of his love as we experience his presence, the presence of the risen Lord, and we will be his light in our homes, workplace, and wherever he leads us. So at this time, I would like for all of us to be in prayer. Even if you just sit quietly, just sit quietly. God will be speaking to you. And I ask you to just close your eyes and just surrender yourselves to God as we pray from our hearts. And if you feel inclined, repeat after me. Lord, I commit my, my life to you. I want you to be Lord of my life. Release the power of your Holy Spirit within me. And make me a new creation in you. Amen. I want to wish all of you a blessed Lent and peaceful Easter to you and your families. So we're going to leave here today building the city of God, Atlanta, and being a light in this world of darkness. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Well, we certainly hope you have enjoyed the program. Well, we certainly hope you have enjoyed the program. And for more information or a copy of today's broadcast, please write us at Magnificat Proclaims. P.O. Box 2983, Orange, California, 92859. Once again, Magnificat Proclaims, P.O. Box 2983, Orange, California, zip code 92859. And for some of you, it might be easier to call. So feel free to call us at 800-500-4556. If you would like to have more information about the Magnificat ministry, including a location of a Magnificat chapter in your area, you can call 504-828-MARY. That's 504-828-MARY. Or visit the Magnificat website at www.magnificat-ministry.org. On behalf of Magnificat Proclaims, this is Donna Ross inviting you to join us next time as we present more personal testimonies from our inspirational Catholic speakers. Remember, Magnificat proclaims the greatness of the Lord. Until next time, may God bless you and keep you in his peace.
Thank you.